Welcome to Legal Management Talk, the official podcast of the Association of Legal Administrators. I'm your host, Justin Askenazy. Today, we're discussing something that many of our listeners deal with regularly, payment processing. Joining us is Kevin Gallagher, who is the General Manager of Payments at Abacus Next, which provides practice management and automated payment software to legal and accounting firms. Welcome, Kevin. It's great to have you on the show. Thank you, Justin. Appreciate you having me today. In your 25 years in the payments industry, I'm sure you've seen your share of changes and advancements in how firms process payments. What trends are you seeing now? Yeah, no, there's been a lot of changes. I think when I first started the industry, um, people were using what we call the knuckle busters, where they put the credit card down and receipt and they swipe uh, over with a a metal piece to make an imprint. Um, But yeah, more recently, I think there's been a few different shifts. Um, Number one is a lot of the legal firms have gone from what I'll call paper processing, which is, you know, sending out paper invoices, receiving a paper check back to electronic payment processing, right? Which would be the ability to accept, you know, credit cards, debit cards, and and even electronic check or ACH transactions. Um, That shift really sped up quite a bit during COVID. Um, That had a big impact on companies shifting to electronic because, you know, you didn't see your customers any longer, right? So you didn't have a face-to-face interaction. You weren't able to receive a check or a credit card and process it, you know, in your office. Um, at the same time, a lot of the employees for the firm weren't in the office anymore, right? They're now working from home. And so a lot more difficult for them to, you know, receive invoices, print invoices, you know, accept payments, deposit at the bank every day, right? That that whole process um, really was, was pretty cumbersome, you know, working remotely. So there was a big shift, I think, during COVID the last two years for a lot of these law firms to go electronic in their payment acceptance. And then I think even more recently, you know, over the past year or two, as well as super hot right now, is the ability for the firm to process payments directly within their practice management solution versus using a third party outside of that platform. Um, And there's lots of benefits to that, you know, which I can talk about as well. But those are some big shifts that really we've seen occurring over the past few years. Sure. So, As you mentioned, law firms are processing a lot of payments online, uh, often through their banks or accounting applications like QuickBooks. Are there advantages for firms or their clients to using a legal practice management platform to accept payments? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, you have kind of three different scenarios, right? You've got a firm that doesn't accept electronic payments at all, and there's still a lot of those out there, uh, believe it or not. I was on a call with a, a firm last week where we were moving them to our, our APX processing solution. And the process that they go through uh, every, the first and the 15th of the month is somebody in the office prints out about a hundred invoices on paper. They put them in the envelopes, they get all the postage and mailing and they send them out. And then hopefully, you know, 40, 30, 45 days later, they get a, a check back. And then they've got a lot to do with, you know, following up with the customers that they have not received payment on. Um, so then you're right. Then you have the second bucket, Justin, which you mentioned, which is the firms using a practice management solution for vast majority of everything they do on a daily basis. But they might be using, you know, QuickBooks and, uh, you know, QuickBooks for invoicing and for the payment processing. Or they might be using the local bank or another credit card processor or Square, PayPal, you name it, right? They're, they're doing something outside that practice management solution. And I mean, the challenge with that is just there's a lot of inefficiencies because you're essentially 
you know, going into QuickBooks, you're sending invoices, you're collecting payment and managing that entire process externally. Then you're going back into the practice management solution, having to find the invoices, having to mark those settled, you know, have that go to your AR and then, you know, try to figure out your practice management says your balance is this and QuickBooks says your balance is that, right? And, and mirroring those two together. So there's a lot of like double entry, a lot of manual work that has to occur in managing two different platforms and making sure that those reconcile. Um, obviously, the more vendors you have externally as well, the more room there is for challenges like, you know, errors to happen or uh, downtime or customer support issues where maybe that solution is not working or not working very well. And then all of a sudden you have to manage that solution in addition to your practice management software. So really the biggest shift is most of the practice management software firms now in the, the legal space are offering their own integrated payment processing, or if they aren't, they probably will in the next few months, right? It's just a super hot um, area. It's, it's very core to everything that the firm is doing. Okay, so now we will talk about paper processing or what you have to do if it's external, but it's if it's within your practice management solution. This is like what we said to the firm last week in discussions. So essentially, on the first of the month, you go in, you view all your outstanding invoices, you put a checkbox next to the ones you want to send out, you hit send. It goes to them via email and they get the email with the invoice and they can click on the link. Uh, if you've never interacted with that customer before, they can enter their credit card or ACH data, hit submit, and then that comes all the way back into the practice management solution. It marks that invoice paid, it goes to your AR, and then two business days later, the money's in your bank account. And you did nothing. I mean, other than click a button to send them, you know, an email. Even easier, if it's a customer you've interacted with before, you can send them uh, that, that same invoice and it's it's already stored the payment information on file. Okay, so the customer doesn't have to enter their credit card number again or ACH data again. The first time they do that, it stores that data and they can basically just click pay with this card. So it's a much easier process, obviously, from a time management perspective. And then the cash flow is huge, right? We talked about that firm that was doing paper checks where 30 days, 45 days to get their money. And with electronic payment processing and doing that all integrated in, it's typically two business days, you know, to get your money, um, both for card and ACH. And some some vendors or, or companies, it might take a little bit longer on the ACH, maybe three, four or five business days. But for Abacus, for example, our APX is two business days for both credit card and, and ACH processing. So again, like a much more efficient use of the solution, less, you know, manual processes, no double entry, faster AR. You know, those are a lot of the big benefits of using the integrated payments from the practice management solution. Gotcha. So the age-old billable hour, something a lot of our uh, members are familiar with, is giving way to more flexible pricing models for legal services, flat fee, sliding fee, uh, recurring monthly retainer. How can automated payments help firms manage these flexible pricing models? Sure. Um, yeah, most of the good news is most of the practice management solutions have a recurring billing function. And a recurring billing just means that you're interacting with that cus your customer more than just once, right? Um, you maybe once a year or maybe, you know, every month um, you're, you're interacting with them, doing work for them and charging them or, or sending them an invoice. So with the recurring billing, you now have the option to set up the customer to charge them a set amount every month 
Okay, so maybe you have a retainer fee of $5,000 that you're charging every month. And you can say, hey, I'm going to charge them the first of the month. I'm going to charge Gavin the $5,000. And it just automatically sends out the invoice. It automatically processes the credit card or ACH on file, and you're done. Or you could have scenarios where you might want to, um, maybe a customer has a large bill and they can't quite pay all that money right up front. You actually have the ability to set up like installment payments. So instead of charging a customer, you know, maybe $10,000, um, you can say, okay, I'm going to charge you, uh, you know, $2,500 over four payments. And you can actually set up exactly when you charge them that amount and on what date and how much, right, to kind of break up that, that fee schedule. Um, and then there, there's lots of new solutions out there. I mean, if you've been shopping online, you've probably seen uh, different solutions called buy now, pay later. And these are scenarios where a consumer... Uh, again, maybe it's a larger ticket, they can't afford it, they can actually finance that transaction. And what will happen in that scenario is they work with the finance company, they'll pay off that just like almost like you would a credit card. Um, but the firm will get their money immediately. Now you pay a small fee for that. But again, it gets you the firm the money immediately, it lets the customer, you know, pay that off over a series of installment payments, um, and makes it, you know, a little bit of a win win for both. Um, so yeah, there's lots of good flexibility now you have instead of just charging them one time and never talking to them again to, to set them up on some type of recurring billing or installment type payment processing. Let's talk about the costs associated with payment processing. How does the pricing for accepting payments work in the legal industry? And how can firms reduce the cost of payment expenses? It's a bad word in our industry is expense, right? And cost. No firm likes to pay credit card fees. That, I mean, like, look, actually no company, nobody, right? And, you know, likes to pay these fees. And I think a couple of things that I want to talk about. Okay. First of all, like, why do you pay a fee at all to accept credit cards? If you think about a credit card, it's essentially an unsecured line of, of credit. Um, you are paying a fee in order to get the money from that credit card transaction almost immediately versus the fact that as a consumer, you are going to you know, charge that card and you might not get your bill for another month. And then you may or may not pay it off a month later. Right. So the process for your card issuer, right, the ones that issue you and I are credit cards in our wallet, they might not get their money for 30, 45, 60 days or it might get paid off over installments. Um, and the, the firm, the business is getting their money immediate, almost immediately, right? So that is why you pay a fee. You're paying a fee to get access to that money and that cash flow almost immediately. Now, the second misconception is that a, a payment processor like, like us or, or you know, Square, even Square, PayPal, all these guys, that they get that money and that's their money, right? Like, and let's say the fee is 3%, just to make it simple. Uh, when you look at who gets that 3%, a very, very small percentage of it actually goes to the, the payment processor. The vast majority of that 3% goes to the card issuer. The, the, again, the, the banks that issue you and I our credit card in our wallet, they take on the most risk and liability. Again, if you look at the consumer credit card, there's, no, there's nothing tied to that. Like, it's not like they can come and get your house or your car or something like that if you don't pay it off. I mean, if you rack up $10,000, you don't pay your credit card bill and you default, the worst thing they can do is give you a bad credit rating, right? So they take the most risk and liability and they take about three-fourths of that fee 
maybe 60%, 70%, right around there uh, of that fee that's charged. The second group is Visa, MasterCard, American Express, Discover, what we call the card brands. They then take a chunk of every single transaction that occurs. The third piece is these back-end payment processors. There's lots of big processors out there that help facilitate the movement of transactions and movement of money between the, the businesses and the card issuers uh, and the banks. Um, they take the piece of it. And then, yes, the very last piece of it is companies like Abacus and our APX solution or Square, PayPal, these others, right? That kind of get their, their remaining piece of it. So, you know, that's, that's kind of, you know, how, why they do uh, charges, who gets all the money. Um, but yeah, there's definitely some things a firm can do to, to help reduce that expense as well. The first thing is the firm is like, I don't want to pay these fees. I don't like paying these fees, but there's definitely some things they can do. Okay. Number one is absolutely offer ACH and electronic check to your customers, period. Like you got to have that out there. Make sure that the provider you're using has integrated ACH. And by doing that, an ACH cost is a flat amount and it's, it's usually very cheap. I mean, for example, we charge a dollar. That's it. it. Regardless of whether it's a, you know, $5,000, $10,000 ticket, doesn't matter, right? Versus a credit card, right? Which is going to charge you a percentage of that. So you're going to save significant money, you know, if you can offer ACH, you know, processing to your customers and try to steer them towards that, you know, as well. So that's just, I just wanted to throw that piece in there um, uh, to make sure that all the customers, uh, all the firms listening, you know, if they weren't accepting ACH today to make sure they talk to their provider about that. So law firms handle sensitive client data and security is a concern when storing or processing client data. Can legal administrators be confident that today's methods of processing electronic payments are secure? Yeah, I mean, security is a, is a big thing in the industry. I mean, you know, over the years, you've heard many, many companies have data breaches and hacking, fraudsters coming in and stealing credit card data or, or doing, you know, uh, processing transactions on platforms they shouldn't be. So the industry, I think, has done a very good job of, of putting security standards in place that apply to any business or any firm that's involved in payment processing. It's called the PCI or Payment Card Industry Standards. And it's a set of rules that um, it's a rarity in an industry where the entire industry has come together and, and actually agreed on a set of rules that everybody must follow. But really, it surrounds the protection of the card data and the usage of card data as well. So in those documents, really, the biggest thing is, as a firm, you want to make sure that you're using a provider um, that uh, doesn't have you storing, transmitting, or processing anything to do with cardholder data. Okay, the credit card number, the expiration date, the three-digit code, CVV data, all that stuff. I mean, you should not be processing, transmitting, or storing any of that data on any of your systems. And it, it shouldn't even be stored in the practice management solution either. Um, typically, if you're using a practice management solution with integrated payments, you'll probably see the, the payment information, but it's truncated. But honestly, if you hacked into the uh, practice management solution, there's nothing to steal there. And that's because what typically happens in the industry with most good providers, I'd say, or, or, or new providers is they, they use a solution whereby the payment processor will present a window that allows the customer to enter their card data or ACH data. What the customer doesn't realize, though, is that 
it's like an iframe or JavaScript solution. It's like a window that's actually presented by the credit card processing company. And it kind of looks and feels like they're still within the merchant's website or within uh, the practice management solution. Um, but essentially, they're entering that data on a secured server at the, uh, the payment processing company. Now, when they hit enter of the payment data, the payment company is going to grab that card data. They're going to store it on their backend systems, which are like rock solid. And then they're going to pass you back to the practice management solution and in turn to the, the firm, what they call a token. And a token is just a meaningless piece of data that essentially gets stored with that customer. So if you have Kevin Gallagher, Kevin's going to have a payment method or a token attached, you know, to my account or my customer record. And then anytime, you know, you want to charge me in the future, all you have to do is enter the amount and hit submit and it will pass that token back to the processor. The token will then, the processor will then recognize this token is tied to this card number or ACH and then go through and process that transaction. You know, so that's the biggest thing. Check with your, uh, your practice management solutions today or check with uh, whoever you're using for the payment processing and make sure that they are capturing the data in a secure environment. Even if you as a firm are, are taking data from your customer and entering that into the customer record within the practice management solution, same thing applies. Your practice management solution will probably have a window or fields that you don't even realize where it's actually going into uh, directly with the payment processor. So definitely check on that, you know, if you're not uh, sure, uh, again, whether you're transmitting, storing, or processing that cardholder data. And, and if you aren't, then you should be safe. If anybody breached the system, then there's, again, there's nothing for them to steal. Right. So uh, let's talk about the, the future. Um, obviously, a large uh, trend in finance and payment is cryptocurrency. And some large law firms have even started taking client payments in Bitcoin. Do you see Bitcoin or cryptocurrency becoming mainstream in payments? Uh, this one's a tough one. I mean, uh, I'm not sure what Bitcoin will be at by the time you listen to the podcast, but it's gone through a crazy roller coaster, right? The past two years. And unfortunately, it's on the very down end at the moment. Um, but here's the thing I mean, you know, if you look at Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, the vast majority of that over the past you know, year or two has been from an investment standpoint, right? I mean, people are buying these, they're holding these investments. They've obviously gone up a ton you know, in the past and then riding a wave down at the current moment. Um, but there's really very, very minimal use of using Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies to buy something, like from a consumer standpoint to a business. And there are you know, retailers and other companies that um, started accepting Bitcoin, some very big ones, you know, over the past few years. But honestly, the amount of transactions that that they're receiving is incredibly small. They're probably doing it a little bit more for the publicity and the hype than the actual reality of it. Because really, essentially, you know, think about it. If if you bought, you know, a thousand dollars in Bitcoin, Bitcoin equivalent, would you want to spend that thousand dollars in Bitcoin with Amazon or a retailer or somebody to buy something? knowing that a week from now or a month from now that thousand dollars in bitcoin could be worth two thousand dollars right you know because if it did all of a sudden you actually lost a lot of money and the retailer gained um so you know there, there really is not a lot of usage from a consumer standpoint now on the the firm side of it the business side of it it's incredibly complex okay if you want to accept bitcoin 
there's a tremendous amount of technical and legal things that you have to abide by in accounting. You know, the, the, the accounting and the books management of it. And uh, wow, it, it's a very, very complex process. The only companies I have seen in our vertical accepting Bitcoin were firms that actually specialize in the law practice for Bitcoin. Right? So it was kind of like, all right, if, if I'm in this vertical and in industry, you know, specializing in helping firms, you know, understand the legal ramifications of Bitcoin acceptance or trading Bitcoin or holding Bitcoin, then I probably should be accepting that right as well. So that's really the only thing I've, I've seen out there, you know, from a legal standpoint, it's a few firms here and there, you know, accepting Bitcoin. But, you know, nobody knows, right, in the future. I think that, you know, there's always more new payment methods that pop up um, over the, my 25 years in the industry. Guess what? It's the same stuff. Visa, MasterCard, American Express, and Discover, and ACH. That's pretty much what it was 20, 25 years ago. And if you look at what it is today, that's the vast majority of what it is today. So there are different things that have popped in, like Venmo, right? Even PayPal was a little bit, you know, different coming in, you know, Bitcoin, and then alternative payments, especially outside the United States. But, you know, when you look at those, there's still a very, very small percentage of overall transactions. And a lot of those on the back end actually just get run like a credit card or an ACH, you know, technically. So um, it'll be interesting to watch it. It makes the industry exciting, you know, Justin, to see the evolution of payments. And uh, I'll be looking forward to seeing, you know, what's the hottest thing coming out, you know, after Bitcoin. Yeah, exactly. And, and on that note, I know you mentioned earlier how the trends changed as a result of COVID. As we start coming out of the pandemic, um, do you see those continuing to, to grow or something new coming all together? Or what do you foresee? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, like I said, COVID did have a big impact. And even as firms are now, you know, returning to the office, actually a lot of the firm's customers are not. You know, I mean, that's what we've seen, really. I mean, so, you know, employees are starting to kind of come back to the office more now. Um, but two things have happened. Number one is that, you know, there's still a large percentage of employees that have not come back and will never come back to the office. Okay. It's just the nature of, you know, our, our industry now, right? Where, you know, they were just as efficient working from home, better productivity, good work-life balance, and they got the things done that they needed to. And so I think a lot of the firms are more receptive now to having remote employees. Um, and then again, the, there's not as many of the firm's customers coming into the office still. So I think everything that occurred to help move these firms towards electronic payments and towards integrated payment processing with their practice management will continue to pay off and, and be a big benefit to them, you know, in the future environment, which is a hybrid potentially between, you know, work from home and, and work in an office. Um, and a lot more non-face-to-face -face interaction with customers via phone and Zoom calls and, and things of that nature you know, as well. Great. Well, I think you just provided a lot of uh, helpful information to our members. Thanks so much for talking to me, Kevin. Awesome. Thanks for having me today, Justin. I appreciate it. To our listeners and subscribers for tuning in, if you like the show, please subscribe so that you never miss an episode. As always, you can learn more about ALA at alanet.org. Until next time, 